This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, it's Robbie here. In this episode of the Offscript podcast, we're in conversation with Ben Bailey-Smith, an extremely versatile individual who's a rapper, an actor, a comedian, a screenwriter, and he's also a children's book author. That's why he's coming out for the Emirates Literature Festival this coming month, February 3rd, all the way through until the 13th. Now, in a wide-ranging conversation with Ben, we chatted about cancel culture, about fame, and about writing books for toddlers. What the secret to it the big interview with off script right then ben bailey smith he started his career as a rapper in fact on a future edition of the show we're going to hear about his rap battling and a kind of a, a unique insight into it was more of a uk scene that he was involved in which he actually says kind of mirrored or parroted the american scene it wasn't until kind of later on in, in the 2000s that the, the sort of uk rap kind of with Stormzy and an artist like that kind of mm. grew its own identity. But uh, that's where it started for Ben. He then became a stand-up comedian. He then got into acting. He's been a screenwriter as well. And he's gotten into children's books, in, in, in particular two books aimed at younger toddlers, I Am Bear and Bear Moves, and his first solo fiction title, Something I Said. So we had a sort of broad conversation about a variety of different things. And I wanted to start with uh, his book aimed at pre something I said, which essentially is about a 13-year-old boy called Carmichael who stumbles into performing a piece of stand-up at the school talent show, targeting his family, his school and his friends. And as the synopsis goes, the footage ends up creating international infamy. And with the promise of fame and fortune comes trouble, it's up for Carmichael to decide what or who he's willing to risk to chase his comedy dream. I like how current this is. It's not your typical children's book, is it? It's very like here and now. And Ben did say, you know, a lot of children's books of of this ilk aimed at this age group are genuine fantasy books. But he wanted to create a fantasy that could actually happen Mm. in real life. So in an environment like school where every statement you make or action comes under a microscope, what was Ben's approach to exploring the unforgiving realm of trying to make other kids laugh? I tried to build the tension around him doing what he was doing and and how other kids would react to it. You know, it's one of those kind of things where there's there's not really a, a, an opportunity for any middle ground. It's either gonna you're either gonna be a legend in your own lifetime. Um, because of the audaciousness of it or you're going to crash and burn to such an extent that you'll forever be ridiculed so with a harsh backdrop of um, you know social mores amongst amongst kids where you know wearing the wrong trainers could be enough to uh, (laughs) have you outcasted Um, that's where that's where I was trying to find the tension you know um from a professional adult stand-up point of view is 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 very very different you know but you do have the that one similarity of you either as we say in comedy you kill or you die you remember how conscious you were when you were a kid of what other people thought on various fashion trends and just anything any anything that you did that made you stand out so yeah. for a kid to do stand-up comedy it's quite an interesting sort of juxtaposition of something that flies in the face of every instinct unless you are a heavily extroverted child right exactly i do also think about i wonder what it's like today because I, compared to when we were growing up, I feel like sh- sheep-like behavior, conformist behavior was what everybody 
sort of ascribed to it was what made you quote unquote cool is being mm. kind of the least interesting. Right. Whereas I don't know, walking around all close arts festival this weekend and I just an observation. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but I feel like seeing, I saw a lot of younger people, probably late teens, early twenties. And it seemed like the more expressive and different and unique you were was what made you stand okay. out in a positive way. So I wonder if that's changed. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's been a long time since yeah. I was at school, so I can't tell you. But I wanted to find out whether children's books have been affected by the heightened sensitivities of our culture, to put it mildly. Did Ben feel like he was treading on eggshells writing the book? I didn't feel I needed to be careful at all. And if there was something in there that was, you know, vaguely problematic, my editor would flag it up. So I, ne- I never felt uh, any of that pressure. I think you would feel that a lot more writing an adult story these days. You know, even while I was writing it, there were authors being cancelled left, right and centre. I mean, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone who taught the world of middle grade to uh, to read again. You know, when you get to sort of 13 in in this era now that we're living in, the chances of you picking up a book rather than uh, a device, an iPad or a phone are so slim and this woman single-handedly got the world of that age group to to read again and like uh, actively take part in it be proud of it show off about it and then because of what people perceive to be offensive in her writing without any judge and jury she's gone and i'm just like to judge somebody by your Standards. I mean, you have to be so quick now in 2022 to be up on what you're supposed to say and what you're not supposed to say. So then you've got savvy young people who, you know, are, are bartering around the new terminology or the new way of addressing this person or that person or this group or that group. And you're expecting a woman nearing her 60s who wrote these books, you know, 20 years ago to just know just be on board with all of these new developments you know mm. uh, and i just think it's a it's a little, it's a little unfair <laughs> massively you know she's she's ri- let's look at the positive things she's done um and weigh it up against this uh, you know idea that you've had about the negative things she's done and for me it it massively outweighs so i i get really upset about people telling me I'm this or I'm that. Like, no, maybe I made a mistake because I'm 40, you know, and I didn't, I haven't, I didn't get the memo that you guys got because I'm not on Twitter, you know, maybe, mm. maybe that's the issue rather than I'm a racist or you're, I'm a homophobe or I'm uh, anti trans or, you know, I'm right wing, I'm left wing. It's like, well, hold on, maybe. maybe I just don't have all the information that you've got. Maybe we're not starting from a, an even uh, 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 playing field. Yeah. Ben, not a fan of the treatment of J.K. Rowling, it's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, he seems very measured and reasonable in his response, and it's easy to agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to sort of get his thoughts on reading itself, particularly he's a dad of two relatively young kids. How difficult is it to get children to read these days? We'd actually welcome your feedback on this. If you are a parent, let us know on 4001 if you have struggles, if you have issues getting kids to read. This is what Ben had to say. The fight for young people's attention from an intellectual property point of view in 2022 is I mean it is 
it's intense yeah you know you've got a set you've got seconds basically we might be veering towards milliseconds now uh to get to get a young person's attention and to hold it um it's very 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 difficult it's a game changer and that's why whenever i'm in front of kids I, i tell them to read and they must be so bored hearing it because they think oh this is what old people always say read 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 what's the point and what i try and stress is you know so many of these kids want a life a creative life or they want to be you know influential or a person of note because of the nature of what they've grown up with they've seen people their age even become megastars as as influencers or as as pranksters or as as as, as artists in, in in some form some shape or form they've seen it all happen online in front of their faces and a lot of them want the same thing and i'm just like you can't succeed with any longevity in life without being literate like that's the most weaponized tool you will develop in your entire life the most important no matter what you want to do whatever it is your dream job let's say your dream job i don't care what it is without literacy you're not going to succeed you might as well forget it and reading is the first thing that's going to put you at an advantage of of all of your peers that don't read you know you're already one step ahead and if if anybody thinks that my success as a, as an artist i have a career as an artist it was my dream as a, as as a, as a small child to to do what i'm doing now it's happened it's not been luck it's been the fact that i've educated myself in my own way that's the beauty of it you don't have to look at it as a pressure from school or pressure from teachers or adults or these people that you don't respond to positively take it from yourself just read about whatever you're interested in and 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 keep it going has your attitude to reading changed over the time that was really resonating with me because i think uh, compared to perhaps uh, current younger generations i feel like we've had both ends of the spectrum i remember growing up and just coming home finishing my homework and then you had this whole evening with just a time to fill in a way. And I would fill that time with books and it was so meaningful and enriching to me. And I I don't know that every now and then now I can still get lost in a book and all consumed, but it's quite rare that I will be able to read more than a few pages without stopping to check my phone and see what's going on. And if, if I was younger, would I read as much if I had a phone at my disposal and YouTube and probably not. I actually I completely agree my stamina my reading stamina has diminished mm. significantly I'm actually I'm I have an appetite to read more than perhaps I did say five ten years ago but uh but my actual ability as you say to read more than sort of 50 pages at a time is is diminished I mean it's unless I am really swept up by it then it's it's there's a lot of distractions and and that's what kids who of course have a lesser attention span anyway that's what they're battling with so yeah it's um it's it's amazing, but he he's right. I mean, it is still the best way to gain an edge, mm. you know. To, and that's fundamentally what it's all about, right? If you, 
you look at these, I mean, meeting young people, we, we, we ch chatted to a couple of influencers who've started a YouTube channel on, on uh, golf guys down at the golf on the weekend. And, and it's, they're speaking a language that I don't, I don't even relate to. I can't, it doesn't, I can't even understand half of the things they're saying anymore. What do you I mean? In terms so of old. the concepts or in terms of the terms they're using? Like the jargon? The terms, the jargon, the platforms, Twitch, TikTok, all of it, all this stuff. Yeah. I'm, from, I'm aware of it, but the nitty gritty of it, when you drill down, yeah. it's kind of like, whoa. You know, you, how are you building that audience? But but they are. They're just very sort of practical kind of, you know, rolled their sleeves up and, and just did it at a mm. young age. But, but anyway, let's get on to fame. I wanted to ask Ben. He's had a very varied career. He's actually excelled in numerous different fields. And when I asked him what he put this down to, he said two things primarily. The willingness to say no and a complete lack of interest in becoming famous. He said, I was never interested in becoming famous. If I was, I would have just done one thing. I would have just done comedy and I would have said yes to everything and I would have courted it, but I didn't want to do yeah. that. So I asked him whether the desire to be famous is greater now than it ever has been. I think it's always been there. So it's more intense now because there's more ways of getting it. Um, it's just like when people say, oh, do you think racism, racism feels worse now? It's like, no, there's just more... Small ways of <laughs> conveying your right. racism across, you know, and way we share information is incomparable to how it would have been a hundred years ago. But the desire for infamy, I think, you know, ask Napoleon. Like, if you're a human being, we've we've already beaten the survival thing. Now we're into this leisurely existence at the top of the food chain, and what happens is we start to think well what is my legacy like i have to it has there has to be something more than this which i think is a fundamentally problematic position to take in life so i just don't bother taking it because my philosophical opinion is that we're all we're all going to the same place all of us every mm. single one of us um the destination for all of us is exactly the same so to me, all human beings are equal and, and uh, the idea that you're going to be more special because you were on Love Island is... <laughs> ben says a lot of things that I tend to nod along with. Yeah. He's, like, he's anti-Love Island, he's pro-JK Rowling. <laughs> he's my kind of guy. Very easy to relate to <laughs> and also I like the kind of being willing to get philosophical. It's something I've never really understood either, this concept of being more special or important because a greater number of people know who you are. Yeah. The only issue I take with, with all this fantastic stuff we do at the golf is kind of that because mm. there's a pecking order there. The golfers are the most important. They're the ones that, that they're, they're the meal tickets. They are the ones that they're the star attraction. Right. They're treated as the most important. And there's a genuine hierarchy where, you know, they're feted. They are pampered. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a palpable sense that they exist up here somewhere and everyone else is kind of scurrying beneath them. And I've never quite, you know, I've never quite sort of accepted that or, or or felt that that was that was okay at the end of the day every every person who's involved in whatever it may be and i'm just using golf as an example yeah surely has the same the same kind of level of, as ben says every, everyone is equal right I think in, in theory right and it's funny that you use golf as an example because as the sports go i remember thinking as i was down there this weekend it seems to be one of the ones where the golfers themselves seem feel the most accessible you have pro-ams where you could actually 
play with a professional golfer. You have them kind of walking just a few feet away from you with a small, nothing really dividing you yeah. except the courtesy of staying off the green. Sure, but there's a subtle, you know? there's an invisible line there where, again, you, you the other members of the pro-am are, are existing in a little sphere just below them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just the quality of the shots they're hitting yeah. either. But yeah, I mean, what, what he says is, is absolutely spot on. He wrote this book with a, with a good friend of his who was an illustrator called I Am Bear, and it's aimed at toddlers. And uh, I've, I've had experiences of like, reading books for toddlers to my mm-hmm. godson and have often found them quite puzzling in the way they've gone about, like whether it be the plot, whether it be this hidden, bizarre, moralizing message. Yeah. You know, what's a two-year-old really? Is a two-year-old going to go to bed going, hmm, that was a good point that that book just made. I need to think about that and maybe change my ways tomorrow. No, but no, maybe, maybe not. not consciously, but being socialized at a young age with certain ideas is powerful. That's exactly it. How would you go about it, Sona Rapani? What would you write about and what would you make the book about? I feel like we might have talked about this before, but I would go kind of mythical. I would go like a mix of mythical and cute animals. Okay. So like unicorns and pandas and, you know. <laughs> Pretty create, loose, loose plot. Just create kind of... some sort of whimsical. I've started writing a fun little children's book for my friend as a joke. Have you really? As a joke. Okay. You know, it makes no sense and it's quite tongue-in-cheek. But that's, but that's fine. It doesn't but need it's to. About... It's aimed at two-year-olds. It doesn't need to make sense. Well, yeah. I mean, she's not two. Okay. She's well, my age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, then it ought to make a little bit but, of sense. Like I've made us the characters in it. Oh, nice. And we go on an adventure together. I like that. So her name is Mundry, so she's Mundry the Unicorn. What are the odds that we'll and ever I'm, be able to I'm read still it? all the black sheep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this going to be a published work? Um, I've just finished writing the story, so let's see if she likes it. Okay. Well, no, it's, I, it's absolutely not going to be a published work, but you asked me what I would write about, and that's exactly well, that's, what I've written about for a friend. All right. Well, I wanted to ask Ben about his first published work called I Am Bear. It's aimed at toddlers, and in my experience of kind of reading these books to my godson, some of them are bizarre, mm. to say the least. So I wanted to learn how Ben went about it. I Am Bear, the the, the gestation of that and the, the birth of it is, is pretty straightforward, really. It's just nothing to do with me it was um my illustrator sav accused he he he'd drawn this bear and it was like a cheeky bear and it was purple and um he was just like i like this guy i, I don't know what to say about him but I, I i like him it's it's just it's just weird and he sent me like a i don't know like 50 drawings of this bear like just in different poses and he was like you've got to write a rhyme for this bear so i literally just wrote a sort of theme song for the bear you know like this is who i am um i'm i'm purple don't worry about it (laughs) and it was it was so just offhand i mean like he's purple he dances he eats a lot i mean there's no there's no depth to it there's no deeper meaning and babies and and toddlers really took to it and and one of the biggest moments the parents tell me uh over and over again ad nauseum is is uh the two pages that sort of me and sav really went for to break the rules you know we wanted an interactive bit in the book somewhere that would be memorable and sav came up with the idea of having a completely blank two pages which is kind of outrageous in a in a 32 page picture book it just doesn't happen but it it imagines this moment where the bear disappears, you know, right? And then, and then 
and then it says look behind you and as you turn the page there's this explosion of color and a big close-up of the bear saying boo and i mean people send me videos all the time of reading the, the this to their babies or toddlers and the unbridled joy and excitement and and, and laughter at that moment just uh, makes it all worthwhile it's this is incredible it's incredible to see he says there's no deeper purpose or meaning, but it's all about self-acceptance. Yeah. I am bear and I'm purple and I like yeah, to eat. Exactly. I yeah. love it. It, it. Unabashedly being yourself. There is a message there. There is. I After think there all. is. Well, a lot of these books do moralize. Uh, and that was the thing. Um, I, it seems strange to me, but I wondered whether Ben was tempted to sneak a message or two in there. I'd say the only sort of knowing, cynical thing we did in, cre- in the creation of that book was to have him go to sleep at the end because we were just like if this is for babies and toddlers yeah. like we've got a calm like it's there's too much crazy stuff happening <laughs> we've got to end on something calm you know so um oh sorry that's bear moves he, he goes to sleep at the end at the, at the end of i am bear he actually sort of walks off into the sunset after evading the police it's a bit <laughs> it's, it's pretty it's pretty wild um I, I, I remember one conversation we had that we were very strict about with the publishers. We we didn't want there to be any kind of moralistic wrapping up of right, you know, of things. We just wanted this bear to come in, you know, like a train and 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 leave in the same way. Yeah, we didn't what? want to go. Oh, and actually, bears a bit selfish, so he should come and say <laughs> I love you and sorry. And and we were just like, no, what what never met a toddler do that you know i think if you're writing for kids beyond seven once they've actually learned empathy and understand that uh you know one day they're going to die so they have some humility kids up until that age i think what's the point (laughs) you know just have fun and that is the message for i am bear and i tell you what i'm keen to buy this for Naya McCarty. I love this. That's a great idea. Uh, I'd like to get a coffee. I'm a big fan of Ben. Yeah. Enjoyed this, that very yeah. much. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 